We're still waiting on you to officially acknowledge your award this year, by the way, that we gave you. We get all these press releases like, oh, Knob Creek won this award, won double gold in this event, and then nothing. <laughs> nothing. nothing. No press releases. Nothing. nothing. I don't know. I don't know what's up with That's... that theme story there. Damn. <laughs> whiskey, whiskey, the singer's getting sore. We raised the roof, now we're lowering the floor. The band is blistered, but we got a little more. Welcome to The Whiskey Topic, the weekly podcast that tends to get off topic. My name is Mark Bylock. I'm the author of The Whiskey Cabinet, and my co-host is Jamie Johnson, who runs a private but approachable bourbon club here in Toronto, Canada. You can also find our podcast on the website whiskey.buzz. Welcome to episode 58 of The Whiskey Topic, the podcast that tends to get off topic. And Jamie, today, um, we we don't really have a topic. No, I think we have a few. We have a few. We've got a bunch of topics. We're going to actually do a little bit of, uh, we're going to talk about uh, Jim Rutledge uh, opening his own distillery, um, having have left Four Roses. We're going to talk about the... Um, the big bourbon versus rye. Um, there was an article in like Munchies or Vice um, that was like, basically no one can tell the difference between bourbon and rye. We can parse that out a little bit. Yeah, we have lots of thoughts on that. And then Jim Beam's uh, 40th millionth barrel, billionth barrel. I don't know. They, they did a lot of barrels is what we're trying to say. A bajillion. Um, a bajillion barrel. As well as some tastings and thoughts um, that we have um, from our experience in the last couple of weeks. But first, first, we promised no. we would do a shot. We would do a shot. <laughs> no. Not a shot of whiskey, a bad shot of something uh, <laughs> if we got a review on iTunes. Now, unfortunately, we did not get a new review on iTunes, but we did promise um, that uh, for the whiskey pilot that did the review on April 9th that we would do a shot of honor of him and yes. all the others uh, KT Taylor and Glenn Glenn yeah <laughs> Bisker and Collegiate uh, one and uh, some guy named Trent yeah um, yeah <laughs> so uh, in uh, in honor of all of you uh, we'll describe the terrible things that we're shooting um, uh, Jimmy why don't you go first because I think you've got a Oh, you've got a particular uh, drink there. Yeah, I have a tequila, like a like a bottom shelf tequila that uh, was purchased for um, margarita purposes, um, and it was just going to go into like a big vat of margaritas. And anyways, we end, we didn't end up making them, and so this bottle is kicking around um, my apartment. It is not a sipping tequila. It is not a beautiful mezcal. It is it is a bottom shelf tequila, which is probably worse than a bottom shelf well this is actually this is highly debatable is a bottom shelf tequila worse than a bottom shelf whiskey i don't know but uh Mm. regardless i still have to drink it so i don't really i don't really care right now i just don't want to do it It, it'll remind you of your uh your early 20s Uh, i wonder if i should three or four dollar shots of tequila specials should i get like a, a a lemon or a lime should I get a piece of lime? There's that cheating. Mm. It has to be disgusting all the way. No, it has to be disgusting. Just got to do it. Got to do it. And, and I mean, in, in in my world, doing a lime and so on would be kind of like, ugh. But uh, but I think you, you you like that. You'd like that too much. No, no, it's got to be bad. Um, I don't I don't know if mine's necessarily as bad. It's um, it's it's rum. Um, and it's um, 75 proof, which, you know, it's okay. It's okay. It's a Ron Barcelona uh, from the uh, Dominican, Dominicano. I don't know. It's rum. It's, right. it's fine. Oh, All right. This shot so glass cheers. I'm using is too big. 
I'm using a Glencairn glass. I'm like, oh, oh my god. Okay, okay. So <laughs> only because I can only because I could count an ounce and a half out of a Glencairn glass just by pouring. So I'm just see, like, see, that's okay. smart. You sh- I should have, yeah, I should have done that. Okay, I think this is probably this is probably proper. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you, the whiskey pilot. Cheers. Cheers. Now, oh. you too can make us drink disgusting drinks um, just by rating us on iTunes. Ah. Um, I know it's kind of a pain in the ass because you, you, you need to have a little bit of an ID as Jamie um, Sorry. perfectly is <laughs> in the background. Um, but just go to iTunes and uh, or just open up iTunes, actually. You can find the whiskey topic in the search string and you can just go in and rate the podcast. It really helps us out a lot if you do that. And I thank you to all those that have rated us already. Thanks, guys. Thanks for taking the thank time. Yeah, yeah, thanks for making me drink that disgusting shot. It was as bad as I thought it was going to be. It sort of reminded you of the, the bad tequila. Like, back in the day when you thought all tequila sucked, it, it reminded you of that tequila. Yeah, yeah. The, actually, there is, a, there is a picture that exists in actual, like, photograph form um, of me doing my very first tequila shot. And I grew up before <laughs> social networks. Um, so whoever it was that snapped that photo of me, and however I ended up with an actual copy of it, I have no idea, but I really do appreciate that it exists because it's hilarious um anyways that sort of reminded me of that and how gross that was i mean i'll survive i mean i'll complain a lot but like that's just par for the course sometimes well, do you have a do you have a delicious whiskey to um, to rinse my mouth out with i do yeah. actually four roses single barrel Nice. Yes. Nice. Yes. I'm gonna have a little water first though, because I feel like I don't want it. I don't want to know what that tequila would make the whiskey. Actually, maybe I'll try and see. Oh, that's so much better. Oh, it's so <laughs> much better. That there is such go. a great whiskey. I love uh, the Four Roses Single Barrel. I know I've drank it on here before, and I don't apologize for that. <laughs> Drinking no, it more than all. once at all. No, at all. Um, and it, uh, yeah, I was gonna say I had the I'm um, have the Redbreast uh, 15 uh, year old, which I really like. It's 46, um, percent I believe. Um, nice. But man, rum kind of leaves even like when say my water rum just kind of leaves this like film on your tongue. So yeah. this I'm not. I gotta like wait a few minutes before I really enjoy this Redbreast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the Four Roses is is actually pretty. Um, big um it's it's got it's got a nice uh sort of like mouth feel to it so it's it's sort of covering up that awful stringy tequila um yeah it makes sense makes sense I, uh, you kind of have a build big bold whiskey and that's yeah. going to help you yeah. out to cover up that terrible terrible flavor yuck but ah. um actually i had it the bottle out because this morning if you followed me on instagram at bourbon thing you will have noticed that i did a tiny little blind tasting sort of in prep for this um, podcast where there was this article that went up that basically said, it actually said the average person can't tell the difference between a bourbon and a rye. Um, And so I don't know, I'm guessing that whiskey nerds were sort of not in that, um, the realm of the scope of, you know, the the research that they did. But I decided mm-hmm. to put myself to the test, just uh, two ryes and two bourbons. Um, and I screwed it up. You did? I yeah. did. Interesting. So Interesting. fascinating. So I had bullet rye, um, Taylor rye, Taylor small batch. And just to 
throw in a high rye bourbon just to see if I could throw myself off, which I did. I put in that Four Roses single barrel and it was the one that screwed me up. So I got the, the bullet very easily and I got the Taylor small batch really easily, but I mixed up the, the um, straight rye, the Taylor straight rye and the Four Roses single barrel. And yeah, I just, my notes here are so funny because I always try to do blind tastings like by gut, like mm-hmm. really like off the nose, what do you think it is? Because I'm still not great at pulling flavors exactly. So what works great for me is just to sort of like, is this a rye, is this a bourbon? And then tease it out a little bit more. So for the, for the one that ended up being the Taylor rye on the nose, I put bourbon. It's so fascinating. Yeah. yeah. I just sort of like swapped them. And then I was like, Jamie, you should know better. You drink enough Four Roses single barrel that you shouldn't have gotten it mixed up. But I did. So, I mean, I guess it, out of the two of us, like I would probably more closely represent, you know, who was tested in this um, sort of like this research because I haven't been you know, working on my palate for as many years as you have. So, um, yeah, but I, I was like, nah, for sure. No, I can for sure tell no problem. And then uh, I was wrong. I was totally wrong. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so we, yeah. And I, and I think it has, I mean, I think it has a lot to do with that nose. I, I think that the Taylor rise and doesn't have that kind of forward it de- rye nose. Does. We're used to MGP rye, right? We're used mm-hmm. to that uh, bullets and, and, you know, all, all those, uh, Dickel and all these other ones that come from the same distillery, mm-hmm. and they have a very distinct nose. Um, and the Taylor rye is, is different. It doesn't have um, uh, it doesn't have any corn at all, right? It's just mm-hmm. rye and malted barley. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a whole different kind of rye. Meanwhile, you've got uh, Four Roses that it's very uh, sweet. Uh, on the nose, it's very sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it has... It has those rye notes are really coming through, sure. and then on the flavor, the rye notes rye really comes really through. forward for sure. Yeah, and it's so interesting because in the um, you made the point that you know we we sort of uh, we can tell which is an M- MGP rye. Um, they found that when they were doing this experiment, that people were grouping them together almost by house style. So they would inevitably they they said you know put them in categories, and people were actually grouping them together. They ended up doing it sort of by distillery. So people ended up with pile you know little <laughs> Jim Beam ones are over here, and and so people were able to identify sort of a house um, flavor, but they weren't able to they didn't group them by bourbon or rye. Whether or not this means anything, or whether or not it's you know sort of not a gra- I, I don't know if it's a great experiment. I don't know if it's like scientifically very sound. Like I mm-hmm. should know because I took research and stats in university, but <laughs> I forgot all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it has nothing to do with the whiskey. Yeah, has exactly. To do with that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how like you know how much backbone this this research has, but it was, it's interesting and it's causing you know a lot of discussion online. Well, and I mean, we talk, you know, and I think whiskey is this this combination of marketing and product and, and, and like the placement of the product. So um, we do have brands and it's interesting that the brands themselves came out, um, you know, were, were, were gathered together. Mm-hmm. So I would certainly think that like Jim Beam is a great example. I think Jim Beam, you know, the Knob Creek bourbon and Knob Creek rye um, really do, even though the mash bill is completely different, mm-hmm. um, at least at least somewhat different um they are they don't have 
they, they do have a distinct style. They do have a distinct uh, point of view. Um, Taylor Rye is, you know, a bit unusual in the marketplace when you compare it to those others because uh, it's very kind of yeasty and kind of mm-hmm. like has that kind of yeasty breadiness to it that's that is very similar to the Four Roses. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, you can definitely look through products um, in, you know, Buffalo Trace, uh, Bourbon, and Eagle Rare. Different whiskeys in terms of kind of general profile but also you can kind of get the buffalo trace in them right um and and of course those are the same ash bills so there's no no rye component there but it's there's a small rye component rather but still it's interesting Mm -hmm. i think the the concept's interesting i don't think it really means anything i don't think that Mm -hmm. general consumer needs to tell a rye apart i think we all kind of know that there's a bit of marketing and all this Mm -hmm. um but the, the um, but a rye forward bourbon and a rye are going to be tough to tell apart because it really just depends on age. How much is how much is that new oak coming through? And because uh, the new oak really kind of takes the corn right. and just really subverts it. So uh, on a very on an older bourbon that's either rye heavy or a very old bourbon aged in in new oak, you're going to get very similar flavor profiles. And I don't know if you really need to tell them apart. Right, and I think that's you know the. There was um, in the article, basically, they were saying, well, you know, it it sort of frees up bartenders a little bit um, in that, you know, do they have to make a Manhattan always with rye every single time? Maybe not. Maybe they can use a bourbon or, you know, like a high rye bourbon. And so to, you know, stick to the hard and fast rules of bartending, it sort of like opens them up to... Well, most people wouldn't be able to tell anyways, but is, uh, I don't know if bartenders would ever, like, any time that I've ever talked to a bartender, like, it is, it is a hard and fast sort of, like, rule. Like, you just, there are certain spirits that you use to make certain cocktails, and... Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know if it will, ch- I mean, I don't know if it'll change anything, to be honest, but... Uh, yeah, it's it's kind of. I guess maybe if I'm at home and I don't have any rye, then I can use Four Roses single barrel to make a Manhattan. Yeah, and I think that's yeah, that's true. I mean, I you know, if there's a restaurant that doesn't have a good rye, I ask for a Bullet, or, and if they mm-hmm. make a Manhattan with Bullet, I don't know if I'm, you know, drastically upset. I'm like, oh no, you know, right. I'm not on rye. Um, and then there's also the concept of the the I love the term the the barely barely rise or barely legal rise where there there are rise but you know by law it has to be 51 percent right. rye uh, there are rise in this world that are just exactly 51 percent rye in the mash bill and the rest is corn and malted barley right. so you know is that yeah is that exactly yeah. how is that going to be any different from you know a yeah, really high rye bourbon like 35 percent right. like are we going to be able to tell the difference between you know 35 percent and 51 percent like and I mean, yeah, and the key, you know, the key, uh, key uh, ingredient in the key flavor ingredient in a lot of whiskeys in both Canada and the U.S. Mm-hmm. is that rye. Is right. Um, Canadian whiskey certainly depends on a lot more because they distill at a higher proof. Mm-hmm. Uh, they distill the corn at a higher proof. But I mean, the even in the U.S., rye is the flavor grain. So yep. whether you have, you know, thirty percent of it or fifty percent of it or seventy percent of it. It's that it's going to be the predominant flavor profile in many many uh, whiskeys, with the exception of something like a maybe like an Eagle Rare, where it's a mm-hmm. you know ten percent rye or eight to ten percent rye. I can't quite remember, but in that range, and it's been aged for so long that rye's probably mm-hmm. probably being beaten they up by that. They smoothed it out pretty, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but in most cases, you're you're going to taste rye. Um, it's whether or how do you identify that rye, and I think. 
I think consumers in general, the MGP rye is is our definition of rye, and I don't, you know, that that's because a lot of these, a lot of the ryes on the market do use that uh, that go to that one distillery, but um, the other ryes are going to taste completely different. And I think, you know, I think that that was a tough, you know, tough one for you to do with Taylor Rye in there. It's a it's a tough one. Yeah, for sure. And the thing was is that I sort of like, it was just one of those like, hey, I'm just gonna. Is there a helicopter on top of that building? Whoa. Oh, no. Everybody stop. This is very cool. So it looks like there's a helicopter on top of that Scotiabank building down here. Oh, Mark, I wish you had a window so bad. I feel so sad. (laughs) Everybody, Mark's apartment turns out onto somebody else's office building. (laughs) And, like, I'm looking over here, like, I watched a Barack Obama uh, land over at the convention center once. Thing. Oh, that's amazing. I know. It was very cool. It was very cool during the G20. Aww. I know. I love my windows. I feel <laughs> sad that you don't have them. Look at this adventure. It's like a soap opera. What's that helicopter doing there? Who just got out of it? Oh, the things I see in my alleyway. <laughs> things I see in my alleyway. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> I sometimes like lean over to the side just so I could see the King Street be like, oh, there's King Street. Oh, there oh, there's- it is. There it is. But I, I like that I'm like low enough to the ground where I can hear, like when the windows are open, I can hear people yelling and honking at each oh, other. It's great. That's nice. It's such a city thing to hear. It's like one of those things where I, I like grew up in the city and, and when I moved like downtown and I was next to a streetcar line it, and I was like homesick, I like missed my parents or whatever. There was something so like soothing about live, hearing the sound, like the chugging of the streetcar and the dinging of it and people yeah. and the doors opening and people getting off and people getting on. So there's like, there's something that's so charming about city noise. Like even if it is yelling sometimes and honking, <laughs> it's just like, Oh, there's people out there. Aww. Aww, that's exactly. nice. It's comforting anyways they're usually yelling at each other (laughs) you know sometimes people have a bad day it's okay it's okay um but yeah so um what i think is really interesting um is that we can sort of take what i did today and tell everybody about our awful blind tasting that everyone of our friends totally screwed up on completely um we did a tasting at our friend Matt Mark's house, who, and he often sort of hosts, and he's very, very specific about how he presents the whiskeys. Like, we literally walked in, and there were, gla- there were glasses set out on the table. You weren't allowed to walk past a certain area of the room because they had, like, a big black box with all of the numbered bottles in it, and he had covered his entire whiskey cabinet, which Mark also does when he hosts. Um, and if you were following me on Snapchat, you would have seen all the behind the scenes. Yes, um, including a hissy fit by yours truly. Oh, Jamie, there's paper throwing. Never happened. It was great. No, so dramatic. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we all sat down, and there was like they had made like, um, and when I say they, I, I'm talking about uh, Jen Chan and Matt Mark, who who sort of like put the whole thing together. And Jen Chan's also been a guest on the show, and they there was like a grid of like. What is your guess for, you know, whiskey? How many did they put? 12? 10. 10? Or was it 12? Yeah, yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot. And it was intimidating to sit there. And Mark went like, he like sat down. It was like a, an exam. And he like went oh, for man. it. And he just, he was so serious. Like some of us were like, haha, like laughing and joking. And Mark was like in his own little world, like head down, sniffing glasses, like already making notes. Like there was no 
there was no screwing around. Like as soon as you got that, help me any, but I know. <laughs> as soon as you got that piece of paper, you were like, mm, focused, and you were like <laughs> scribbling stuff, and and yeah. So uh, the fun thing about it was is that it was a lot of whiskeys that our friends had picked up on their travels, and we have like this group iMessage where you know we sort of will send each other like, oh, I'm at this airport and what should I get here? Or this is kind of whiskey that I'm, you know, I've stumbled upon. Like, what should I do? And But we didn't actually know what they had brought back. And so they had sort of um, negotiated this uh, tasting with all these travel whiskeys, but we weren't sure if they had put them against their home collection. So we literally had zero reference I, w- I, w- I would say it was a disaster. As it was a total disaster. <laughs> and and the worst part was, I mean, so I think, you know, Matt, uh, once upon a time, uh, a couple of years ago, did a tasting for us. And I think he, he kind of put on the general, you know, we were doing Buffalo Trace and Eagle Rare and everything else. And he got mad because I, I, I guess most of them, I was just like, oh, this is this, this is this, this is this, this is that. After like four rounds and then led, four drinks rather, after that, I was like. You know, yeah, I couldn't guess anything after that. Um, so this time around, he was, or, and last time too, he he put together like, oh, this is a scotch finished in sherry, and I'm like, oh, this is a scotch finished in sherry. Like it was, right. it, I couldn't name the distillery, but I could kind of, you know, home in or be like, it's one of these two distilleries. In one case, I was like, this is a Grant Henson's product. I don't know if it's Glenfiddich or Belvini. Uh, I know it's not one of the mass-produced ones. It's, it's something rare in, the, in one of those two lines, and they were like, oh, it's Glenfiddich 21. So this time around, he's like, screw you, screw you, Mark <laughs> screw you so bad. Yeah. Um, and we were, t- we were tasting whiskey that was just, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, so there, were f- there were a few common players in there. So uh, there was, um, actually, there weren't even really very many common players in there. There's a Masterson's uh, rye in there. There's a stra- couple of bottles of Stranahan's. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there was an Amrut uh, single cast that... Um, I haven't had that one in particular before, but those were kind of like the common players. Um, then there was this uh, whiskey from New Zealand, uh, a couple of a couple of these bottles that were like 20, 22 and twenty five year old whiskeys from New Zealand. I didn't know if that distillery existed. Yeah, it was insane, and we I was way off. I like I named one of them a single malt, I think, because there was a peated one, and so I said it was a single malt, and they're like, now nah, it's from New Zealand, and I was like, that's so the opposite. <laughs> Well, there's a Paul John. I think I think the oh, was Paul it the John Paul peated John one. peated one? Yeah, it, it was so. It was just I was like, oh, I think it's Lagavulin, but it's not quite Lagavulin. That's like, right. No, no, that's right. John. The peated one. Yes, that was right. Oh God. Uh, yes. And so we we were wrong on everything. everything. I think about the. I think the only thing I guessed is one. I was like, oh, this tastes like a blended whiskey, like Canadian whiskey in that style. And I guess that was true, but it was from Japan or something. Yeah. It was. In, <laughs> it was really like it was really humbling. It was. it was really it wonderfully was. humbling. It's a good experience to have. And that's the thing is like doing a blind tasting like that where you have no frame of reference and you are just sort of like, I mean, it's not like our guesses were, you know, just like shots in the dark. Like, you know, I, it's not completely crazy to think that a peated whiskey could have been a single malt. And so no. there, everything was like, you know, but you just can't get too wrapped up. You can't get your ego in the way. Like it's, it, it's all for fun. So, but it was, it was a, a pretty humbling experience. Actually, it was wonderful. 
<laughs> it was the and it's you know just having no no idea and, and trying to identify even the grain type um so you talk about this article like you know can people tell rye mm-hmm. uh, even identifying the grain type was very tough um, yeah. but you know i mean i think i think the grain type we did all right and so we kind of identified the blended we had we identified what was like a single malt i mean uh you know uh paul john is 100 percent malted barley um and it just speeded it was you know aged for far fewer years but only because it's in a hotter climate so it's it's right intended to be a, a single malt right. scotch competitor right um so so it wasn't like I, I would say we were probably better on guessing the grains um but but the one thing i will say um even though we generally all did bad uh we did identify the good whiskeys versus the bad whiskeys yes. which i think because some of the jap some of, i think there were japanese blends the those were really quite awful they were they weren't yeah. they weren't pleasant to drink yeah. they the nose was too pungent and 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 it just it had no no character um you know i've talked very well about stranahan's but we did a couple of stranahan bottles um that we did side by side and not we weren't really no. big fans of those yeah. um that one uh, we and, screwed and, up on the grain for that one yeah it, it was very it was a very bizarre i think the um i think it's so uh oak forward the it was just the, the the spiciness of the oak was really coming through and malted barley aged in brand new oak it's an interesting conversation mm-hmm. because malted barley aged in new oak um will this is why scotland doesn't use a lot of new right. oak because it just gets overpowered of course. so we were getting kind of like the very spicy yeah. spiciness from the oak and we're like is this some sort of rye, rye bourbon yeah. mix which not a bad guess i mean wrong but you know when you have no point of reference <laughs> right. uh, it wasn't a bad guess yeah um yeah and so that was um that was interesting the um we tasted a uh, masterson's release batch one and i have to actually do some research on that because um i've always talked very well about masterson's i love the product I've, I've we just had it like a couple of weeks ago at a friend's party and I'm really big fan of masterson's and the one that i've always seen around was batch five mm. Um, and then there's this one in Quebec City that's called like Batch One, mm. and it's not the same drink. Really, uh, it doesn't taste the same. Doesn't it's not as good. Um, it, it's not the same drink, so I need to do a little bit of research there. But I've only only seen that batch sold according to the internet anyway in Quebec. Mm. So I got to do a little dig in there. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It, was, it was a lot of fun. It was very humbling. Uh, yes. Um, we, we, no, nothing with actually. I don't think anything we've had before. No, I've never had any of those whiskeys before ever. Which and I guess the Stranahan's and Masterson's, but that was a different one anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I highly suggest you know doing something like that if you have a a crazy friend that wants to you know put put a tasting like that together and just really sort of screw around with people. Um, I highly suggest it because it's kind of a riot. Like, it, as long as you don't take it too seriously, which you can't, because it's, yeah, you really can't. You really can't. Like, it, you just got to know. Like, you know, it, as much as we talk about doing like tastings and tasting notes, and 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 um, it is, it can be quite a personal thing. So it's really, you know, the 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 flavor wheel that you get for whiskey is so much more narrow than you, what you would get for wine um, or beer like you're you know you're looking at you know really small differences and and in order to like hone in on those it takes so long so it's um yeah there's no shame in getting every single one wrong at all <laughs> none at all <laughs> and and it also brought about a good discussion uh, that we had every country has 
add their own challenges in making whiskey and their own like their the their own advantages so you know certainly in you know bourbon is very strictly de- de- defined um you know scotland single malt scotch is strictly defined and so when it comes to like rating whiskey or talking about which whiskey's better and comparing whiskeys between different countries um i almost liken that to like art um mm. you know you can't compare a piece you know from the 1800s that's you know meant to be actually i don't know a lot about art so please <laughs> forgive my ignorance um but let's say it's one of those like you know 1800s p- uh, paintings where like the people are intended to be lifelike and the eyes are supposed to be real right and and it's intended to present that person in a very way in the way they they lived in the world and then you have something like you know something from galley or, or something else that's you know more a crazier um artistically speaking um but it has also a beauty and also uh, a very you know just a different style mm-hmm. you can't be like oh this is the best painting painting or that's the best painting mm. they really were created in two different environments two mm-hmm. different times and two different um you know with two different intentions right and so mm-hmm. when you talk about whiskey and how do we talk about you know bourbon versus canadian whiskey versus scotch versus whiskey from india uh you know you know indian whiskey may not get the subtleties in scotch from the beginning of the palate but you know they might get more flavor towards the end of the palate mm-hmm. where where you're going to have uh you're going to have kind of like the complexity of the oak that's really going to take form afterwards but the start's going to start more like a more like a hit whereas a lot of scotch drinkers like kind of the softer start right. um you know bourbon's always going to be oak forward um no matter how you make it um even young bourbons are already mm-hmm. very oaked forward yeah. um and that's not a bad thing and it's, and it's just that's the style that it is and so you may not like the style of an oak forward bourbon uh, but when we talk about whiskey like what's a good bourbon we talk about in that context right. in made in america what it makes a good bourbon right. and how does it relate and that's why i'm a big fan of um you know tasting whiskey blind but not necessarily a big fan of like that being the only way you you taste whiskey um certainly i think you need to know what the style is what what the intention is is it intended to be a rye okay if it's a rye give me rye notes um if it's you know if it's a low rye if it's like a 51 percent rye and you're getting more of a kind of bourbon feel well you know may not be reaching towards the the high notes of that that category anyway i thought that was an interesting discussion that came from that for sure no absolutely i agree 100 percent um yeah and all part of just like not being too rigid um and just sort of enjoying it for what it is i think is is quite lovely and part of what whiskey is all about kind of charming yeah. Don't have I a hissy a fit like, like I did. <laughs> I didn't really well, have a hissy fit. No, no. That was that was very much a, a very, very... It was a very dramatic, dramatic moment. Yeah. Ah. It was fun. It was a fun night anyways, and we ate good bread and butter and cheese, and we had a big laugh. So, like, that's basically what, you know, what it's all about. Yeah, and uh, it is a fun part of Snapchat because we did have those, uh, yeah, those background scenes. I believe Snapchat. I believe Jamie got into every video that I, I made. Um, totally not on purpose. <laughs> Amazing. <gasps> um, but uh, do uh, follow. It's uh, M-A-R-K-B-Y-L-O-K, and we'll have that in the show notes. Show notes or see that that rum's already kicking in. Um, <laughs> or or a bourbon thing uh, for Jamie. I'm not bourbon thing on Snapchat. Oh, no, you're hey, I'm Jamie hey, Jamie J. H-E-Y-J-A-M-I-E-J-A-Y. And we'll have that in the show. I'll try. I'm not as good at, as, as Snapchat as Marcus, but I'm trying. I'm trying. It's hard. It's hard when I don't have dogs and I work from home. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because, like, sometimes it's like, what am I going to Snapchat right now? Like, 
me sitting at the computer, like talking to a microphone. I mean, maybe that's yeah. not a terrible idea, I guess. And plus, uh, on Saturday, we're doing Spirit of Toronto, so this podcast will come out on Wednesday. So uh, that Saturday... Oh, yeah, um, Saturday will be fun to follow us on Snapchat, for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll be uh, crazy. So Spirit of Toronto, we've talked about it in the podcast before. It's on, Saturday, it's on uh, May 7th. Um, and that's going to be an event where... Um, where we're going to see a lot of crazy, crazy stuff. There's going to be some pre-prohibition whiskey being given out. Uh, there's going to be, um, you know, the, the the Joanne, the the runner of the um, event, also already uh, DM'd me on Twitter. She's like, "It's going to be a good event. You'll be happy." I'm like, "Okay, this is, awesome. this is great. Love hearing that." And I asked her, "Okay, but where do I go for all the secret stuff? Because there's always yeah. something that's kind of released somewhere in the building." And she's like, "Show up at 6:30 at the front entrance." <laughs> I'm like. All right. <laughs> Which was a nice way of saying I'm not telling yourself. you. Yep. Yeah. Um, I will but, be uh, uh, working for a little bit there. That's right. That's right. Yes. There's a um, derby pre-party uh, in the garden, I guess. Um, and because it's derby day. First oh, yeah. Saturday in May is derby day. And I have been experimenting with um, uh, mint juleps for like a month now. Because I love mint juleps. Like, I love mint mm-hmm. juleps because it's an excuse to have very cold, icy bourbon. So, mint julep, for those of you um, who aren't familiar, is just uh, bourbon, crushed ice, mint, um, and some sugar or simple syrup. And that's it. Um, and it's use a nice, high proof bourbon. It's sort of uh, because you're using all that crushed ice, it's sort of like it. Uh, it proofs it down a little bit um, and it's just such a refreshing drink and usually you get them in these like really pretty silver cups and so I'm going to be helping Jim Beam out um, they're sponsoring that party and we're going to make some Basil Hayden um, in juleps nice yeah right, is this a public event or is it like a ticket it's a event? ticketed event so <gasps> yeah so if you got your ticket you got it if you don't it's probably too late it's probably too late um but yeah. i will tell you that if you have your own uh ice crushing ability at home and i don't have an ice crusher i have like um a bag one of those oh there's a specific name for it and i can't remember yeah. what it's called um but there's a bag, and I literally fill it with ice cubes, and I, I like wrap it on my kitchen floor to, I'm sure, the enjoyment of my neighbors below. Um, and I just like smash the ice, and that's how I get my crushed ice. So, yeah, it's a awesome. great drink. Awesome. It's so refreshing. I cannot get over it. And it's it minty is. and perfect. And I've actually made a couple experimental ones where I, like, macerated strawberries and bourbon and then added a little sugar to those. So And then I sort of stirred that in and made, like, a strawberry mint julep. And then I did one yesterday that was I used um, cognac instead of um, bourbon is the base spirit. So I used cognac and rye. And mm-hmm. then um, a little bit of orange bitters. And so it was almost like a orangey, minty. It was really, really good. And um, so, yeah, it's definitely the season to start thinking about putting ice in your drink. Nice. Nice. Love. I, I'm, I'm just getting very thirsty thinking about it. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Uh, speaking of Jim Beam, they uh, filled their 14th millionth barrel. That's crazy. That's whiskey. so many barrels. <laughs> 
and and yeah, and uh, Ch- uh, Chuck Cowdery, which we had on the podcast last week, uh, he made a great point. He's like, forget the fourteen million. He goes, um, they just celebrated their thirteenth million barrel, um, and he's like, that means they're doing over you know half a million barrels a year, wow. and just and so on average since uh, after prohibition, if you were to average out the numbers, they've made one hundred sixty eight thousand barrels a year. Uh, but in the last two years, they've made uh, 500,000 barrels wow. um, each year. So that's a lot of whiskey. Um, we talk about whiskey shortages and how we're suffering right now, suffering because we can't get all our pappies and, and other rare releases. Um, but there's definitely uh, a good outlook there where the industry is really behind the products. Yeah, for sure. No, I. Uh, that's really exciting for them. Congratulations, Jim Beam. We're still waiting on you to officially acknowledge your award this year, by the way, that we yeah, gave you. C- Come on, Beam Centauri, come on. <laughs> we, get, we get all these press releases like, oh, Knob Creek won this award, won double gold in this event, and then nothing. <laughs> nothing. nothing. No press releases, nothing. nothing. I don't know. I don't know what's up with uh, Beam Centauri there. <laughs> Damn. Uh, no, but that's gonna. That's congratulations to them. Um, and that doesn't count Maker's Mark, That's uh, but it does count all the uh, all the Beam distilleries. Uh, so I guess they've got a couple throughout Kentucky. So it's not just the uh, one you would visit. Uh, they have a few more. Excellent. But anyway, Excellent. It's good for them. And good for them. Uh, speaking of distilleries, look at us just moving right from topic to topic, keeping on, keeping our focus. It's because no. we did a shot at the beginning, and now we're like extra careful. We're like we have to stay on topic, or else it's just gonna <laughs> be professional. Yeah, it's got it. It's gonna descend into cheap tequila madness. Okay, um, awesome. so Jim Rutledge, um, we didn't talk about this yet, already, did we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bam! Jamie's like, we're so professional. Blah, 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 blah. And then I was like, as, talk as, about as soon as yet? I like said it, I was like, oh no, <laughs> no. Oh, you know why? Because the group text was like somebody said we had a yeah. pre-conversation. Okay, so that's why as soon as I looked at my notes, I was like, oh, we've already talked about this, Jamie. Your tequila shot is giving you away. But no, I, I am actually, I'm fine. You're all right. Yeah, you're good. You're so, good. Jim Rutledge, who just retired from Four Roses within the last six months. Yeah, sometime in 2015. Yeah, because yeah, he was at the um, he was retiring when we were at in Kentucky in September. That's right. Um, that's was, right. Yeah. So he was just retiring there. So, uh, anyways, he retired for a grand total of you know six months or so. And then decided he wanted to get back into the game. And um, he is now crowdfunding for a new distillery, the J.W. Rutledge Distillery. Yeah, interesting. Um, yeah. All right, what are, your, what are your thoughts? Um, I mean, I guess retirement means something very different to him than it does to me. <laughs> and this man's 72 years old. So, he, yeah. You know, like, he, he, you know, most people retired, like, you know, seven years before that yeah, already. Yeah, like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'd be at the cottage on, like, a Muskoka chair if um, that was me. But I guess, you know, his love of distilling and making whiskey just, like, runs so deeply that, you know, maybe he just wanted to keep going, I guess. Like, I don't I don't know. I don't... S- People were sort of speculating whether he got pushed out of Four Roses or, um, you know, maybe because in the video he said he wants to make straight rye and sort of wants to do a couple different things. Maybe that was motivation behind him retiring and doing his own thing. Like, I I don't know. I don't want to speculate anything, but Mm -hmm. it's just exciting that someone with so much whiskey making experience is going to be spearheading 
uh, a new distillery, which like and, and a, probably a big distillery um, because he's already got people backing him. So um, I think it's I think it's great. I'm yeah, looking it, forward to seeing what happens. Yeah, there, there were a couple of interviews um, on this, and he said that the, the distillery of the size he wants to build is going to cost between uh, twenty-five to thirty million dollars, and he's looking for uh, you know pr- he has private investors as well, um, yeah, but he's also going to the public. Uh, he wants to raise through it's it's done through Indiegogo, which uh, Indiegogo, Indiegogo rather, um, and it's an interesting uh, website because it's a flexible funding model, so it's not like Kickstarter. He doesn't have to raise two million dollars to get the money. He, uh, you know, whatever money he raises, it'll go towards the project, okay. um, and and you get the perks, I assume. So, uh, you know, like there's a, a commemorative T-shirt, a coin. Um, there's uh, like a engraved brick, so kind of very historical right. uh, things you can give out to the family. Um, you can, you know for twelve hundred and fifty dollars, you can um, get a, tickets to the uh, actual opening event. Um, there's already two of those claimed, so wow. that's, you know that's interesting uh, considering. Uh, so far, just over nine thousand dollars has been raised. Uh, we're recording this on May third, so I'm sure that's going to go up. But just it just opened up. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting. You know, it's an interesting model. It's an interesting way to raise money. I think. You know, considering the numbers he's looking to get, I think this is also a way of allowing people an opportunity to buy into yep. the distillery and get something that they're not going to be able to get. I, you know, Jim Relich has, has such a great name in the whiskey world yes. and, and in the U.S. and bourbon making. Um, you know, very much uh, speaks very well of Four Roses, has done so much at the distillery of Four Roses. Um, to have a distillery in his name makes, you know, a great deal of sense. So basically Twitter exploded over this uh, appropriately so in in that respect yeah of all the people to do it I mean you you can think of maybe a handful of people that this would you know go really successfully for oh my god I struggled to say successfully (laughs) (laughs) oh boy we need we need more uh, more tequila shots at the start of our podcast I guess so Anyways, <laughs> it's funny because we drink so freely during our podcast. So I don't. I feel like the shot in the, mid, the start should not affect. Us, I know. No, it's true. It's just. It's and this isn't even a really high proof tequila. So yeah, I can only think of like a handful of people who could launch something like this very successfully. Maybe like maybe Jim like Jimmy Russell could do it. Maybe Chris Morris could do it, but. Well, for sure, Jimmy Russell could do it. I would fund it all alone. I'd go into debt for that man. <laughs> it's funny. I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, Jimmy Russell, did he just done? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but he already has his own distillery. He does. Oh, he's doing fine. Owned by Campari. But, he's uh, doing yeah. fine. Oh, and so on Twitter yesterday, uh, Russell's Reserve tweeted like, we know lots of women who would like a bottle of Russell's for Mother's Day. And I was like, hey... First time I've ever seen a Mother's Day sort of like whiskey push, and I really appreciated it. Yeah, that was great. I, I, I agree. I keep um, every year. I keep uh, wanting to do the same thing with the book, being like, "Hey, for Mother's Day, the book." Yes. And I usually forget because I get behind on everything, and then I usually forget to do it for Father's Day equally. So I feel like I'm here. Um, yeah. Equally uh, <laughs> failing there. Maybe by the time this podcast comes out, I'll, I'll, I will have something there. Awesome. I love it. Please do. Just do it now. Just do it while we're talking. Um, but yeah, no, I was... I, I need suggestions. What, what would I write? Um, <laughs> dra- put this in your drafts folder. Um, okay. <laughs> hey, exclamation point. How about, a co- hey. how about a copy of my book for your mom? Whiskey Lovin' Mom. Change. Yeah, yeah. Whiskey Lovin' Mom. Yeah. 
There you go. Okay. I, I mean, and then link, link to your Amazon page. Some exclamation marks and Lots question of ex- marks. N- yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, like for your mom? Question mark. Yeah. Exclamation mark. Question mark. Okay, that's no good. question. That's Wait, no, hold on. Well, how about you started the question? Oh start yeah, the I know. Question. But I'm so okay. So Twitter has made me really, really bad at like punctuation, and texting has made me really bad at punctuation. <laughs> All of my like so many of my thoughts are now just presented without commas, without anything, lowercase. Like grammar's gone out the window. Like everyone's doomed. Like I. I I don't know what happened. I'm a really good writer, actually, but I can't seem to like put a text together anymore. Just you know, I was on board on this. I was I was on board. Like I, even that that whole there was a you know a couple of years ago there's an article like don't include periods anymore at the end of text messages. And to be fair, I stopped doing that before that article came out. Right. I was like, wow, I'm, I'm actually like kind of understanding as language is changing, and so the periods are are not as important at the end mm-hmm. because you, the periods almost like as one person put it like seems too firm. Like you know, uh, I am here. Period. Right. Like whoa. whoa. Oh, dude, easy, easy, right. easy, easy. It's fascinating. Um, and, and, you know, of course, I still probably add periods. I don't know, Jamie, you would know better than I if I had periods at the end of uh, text messages. No, you don't. But, uh, no, you don't. Okay. I mean, every once in a uh, while, one will sneak in there, but it's usually, like, it's just by accident. It's just a reflex. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I've been typing for so many years. Yeah. But um, but then this this whole concept of uh, of not having any punctuation, to me, sounds like a little too smart-alecky, a little too mm. over-the-top, like... Da 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 da. It just seems a little too much. Mm-hmm. However, I love it when it's. I love. I I love it when it's done with a sense of humor. So I think that's. Oh, I, I yeah. love the the comedy of it. Uh, maybe I don't like the complainingness of it as much. Uh, but um, yeah. But I guess it doesn't matter what I like anyway. So I mean, yeah. I mean, this is it's not for me. It's fine. Um, <laughs> Which is the one thing we have to all remember about the internet. No matter if something annoys yes. you or not, it's okay. It's, it's not about it's you. Not about it's you. not about you. It's not for you. Yeah, everyone is just pushing their own agenda. So, yeah, it, it, we don't have to get bent out of shape about that much. There's no, other things no. to worry about than the internet. So many other oh, things. Boy. Really? I don't know. I mean, like, actual things. Like, actual real-life things to worry about. <laughs> no, I agree. I was just so happy to see that, you know, targeting women like this kind of this kind of um is non-pandering it wasn't like it wasn't yeah i just really thought it was just an easy well done just a little like hey like we know moms drink whiskey too and that's all it needs to be and i think sometimes women get pandered to a little bit in the whiskey industry like ooh, we made you something special and it's like we don't need yeah yeah ew and you're just like no no just give me the good stuff and like give me the russell's reserve by the way i really desperately want russell's reserve here so bad yeah Oh, so bet, badly it's so upsetting i mean it's coming though right it's coming it's coming, it's coming, it's coming the rumblings the rumblings are here it's just not it's not soon enough for me i don't know what i'll do if i walk into the lcbo and there's just russell's on the shelf like i don't even know i'll just have to, i'll fall down i'll just fall down <laughs> in sheer joy like i'll just faint with excitement will you be like one of those the, the, was it the cats that like when they get too excited they just collapse yeah that's me Finding yes, upon finding is. Ontario Russell's Reserve, like well, you probably almost did that when you saw the bookers. You were like, ah, bookers, clunk. <laughs> the, at eighty five bucks, <laughs> less of a clunk, yeah, maybe. Yeah, but we don't know what the Russells is going to cost. I mean, oh, well, you know. exactly, exactly. Oh. So, like, if in the states, what is it in the states? Like thirty five 
40 bucks? We, I think uh, yeah, everything the, uh, is 35 and 40 bucks in the States. Please correct us. No, it's great. Uh, the the 10 year, I think the 10 year uh, small batch uh, was uh, $30, but the single barrel was $50. Okay. So, um, so really yeah. kind of priced on proof level, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. I, I'm first happy with that. Um, so some uh, some opposing views to Jim Rutledge and uh, oh. Patreon. Uh, Skew's Recent Eats, um, the uh, blogger that uh, really, he, he's the one that kind of gets behind all the, um, like whenever there's new labels approved, he's the one that usually talks about that. Okay. Um, and uh, he links to a lot of whiskey websites, uh, including ours, and we get some uh, traffic from him there. Um, he he's basically he's saying this is maybe not a very um, uh, not a very classy way about going about like paying things because he says that it's essentially there to pay for licensing and legal fees. And he's like, you know, you know, why should everybody uh, why why should fans be paying the costs? To this, without any financial benefit, there's investors that are going to mm-hmm. invest money into this and make money on the on on the distillery. Assumingly, over the next you know five, ten, twenty, thirty, forty years, mm-hmm. um, why should people help fund anything in an environment where they're not um, where they're not receiving any benefits for that that direct funding? I don't know. Like, here's the thing: is like that's kind of a neg. Uh, it's kind of a pessimistic viewpoint i mean listen if he gets no money then he gets no money the people who are buying in are doing so because they want to and because they they want to be a part of something and be able to say like oh i threw some money in the ring because it's something i really believe in and i i can't wait for them to open or blah 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 blah. i i i really don't see anything that wrong with it yeah I, i i think this one of these things um like I know that uh, some people um, uh, were were annoyed at uh, you know uh, companies. I think uh, I can't remember them, but some went on Kickstarter and started products that were funded by by Kickstarter, um, you know, contributors. And then you know, even before the product got released, they sold to like Microsoft for like two hundred million dollars or two billion dollars or whatever it was. And um, I know I throw around these numbers like they're nothing. I just don't remember. But it was a lot of money. It was the money to like, wow, that's a lot of money. And that's where it is in my brain. Um, and then the, the, the complaints were, well, you know, like you, crowd, you crowdfunded for something. So a lot of these crowdfunded, a lot of Indiegogo and Kickstarter mm-hmm. was like, hey, I need this money to start this business. Right. Um, you, you, like some authors do this, like give me, you know, like $10,000 in contributions and I'll give you something special as part of the project and this will help pay for my startup costs. Um, you have a, Indiegogo is, is a very similar format. So now is, you know, a big name coming in and saying, oh, you know, I need this uh, money to start. Is that matter? And I think at the end of the day, I think, you know, I mean, we've seen like, Hollywood producers use the mm-hmm. same um, same website to get movies started mm-hmm. uh, to show interest. I guess it's a better way of putting, like, hey, you know, mm. I can get two million dollars of, of funding. Mm. That's actually, uh, yeah, I think you you really touched on something there for sure. To gen, yeah, yeah. the buzz, right? The buzz, yeah, like to, to demonstrate that the product is worthy of of, of funding and, and bring it value. Um, so I, I mean, I get the complaints. I, just, I get them you know, I too. Think... It's just, you know, there's always two sides to every thing. It's, I, it doesn't, yeah. But I mean, I think ultimately you are you are getting something back. Yeah. Um, you are getting something that's of value. So, you know, some of those things where people apply, um, 
their personal values to other people. So, you know, I might not be the one that, you know, dishes out $400 for an engraved brick, but I think if I lived in Kentucky and I had, you know, met Jim Rutledge many times and, and, and just grew up in that yeah. environment where he, you know, created all this great whiskey, I think an engraved brick would be awesome and I would be buying like 12. So, yep. you know. Yep. Yep, and that's a really good point. We are slightly removed from it, and some people are slightly removed from it, and who knows what it means to the community. And, I mean, you know, it's going to be creating jobs. It's going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff that will, um, you know, be great. And so, uh, yeah, if you want to, then I say, like, go for it. No one's making anybody give any money to anyone. So um, what's really the harm? Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, it's it's great. Yeah. It's awesome. Good for Jim, and um, hey, Jim. good for him too. At 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 seventy two, uh, Jim Rutledge is just like just screw motoring it. along. I'm gonna make my own distillery with my own name on it, yeah. uh, and, uh, and 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 moving forward with that, which I think is amazing. Because Jamie, I agree with you. I think it's um, at that age, you just kind of like, hey, you know what? I'm done. I'm however thirty two. Health I'm benefits done. of whiskey. Yes. Oh God. <laughs> Health benefits of whiskey. Oh boy, here we go again. Hey man, Jimmy, Jimmy Russell and uh, I know and Rutledge and all these guys. They they you know powering on. They're power. They're you know they're machines. They go go go. So they must be doing something right. They're drinking. They're drinking. <laughs> they are drinking. Not doctors. Not a medical opinion. Yes. Don't listen to us about anything. <laughs> I don't even know. Yeah. Certainly not about investing or Indiegogo uh, <laughs> websites. <laughs> well, I think that's it for the show. Yeah. We, yeah. we stayed relatively on topic today, I think, despite the yeah. shot at the beginning of the episode. Yes. And so if you want us to take another shot, and uh, maybe you don't. Maybe, maybe you're like, that was, yeah. Don't, don't, don't do this. Um, do rate us on iTunes. Uh, we will gladly, you know, do rate us on iTunes, and we'll uh, we'll gladly take a shot on every show uh, per rating, per rating. So this is, you know, this is very serious. That's right. Uh, if we get a storm of shots, oh, um, gosh. We, I, I guess we can't dish, dish them out over a couple of episodes. I don't know. We're we'll going to have to dish them out over a couple episodes for our health. <laughs> for our health. I hope my doctor doesn't listen to this podcast. Oh, man. Yeah, how did your last doctor appointment go? You never I didn't. Out. You never brought it did up. Did I go? You, you, did I miss yeah, one? It was, you did. It was your annual. Like it's it's oh. already been longer than a year. Has it been? No. Yeah. yeah <gasps> of course. It has so then been. I have to go soon. Oh man, you do, Jamie. I do Jamie. have to go. Although she's like, my doctor is crazy. She's so busy. <laughs> I don't know. How I'm oh. gonna dance around this topic again. How many drinks <laughs> do you have? Well, I took January off. <laughs> <laughs> if you average it, if you out. Average See, that's why it. I should have. <laughs> Should have gone on February first. <laughs> Over the last month, I have not I have had a single not drink. Had a single drink. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you average yeah. it out from January to now, let's not talk mm. about it. Still. <laughs> yeah. 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 That's probably for the best. <laughs> oh gosh. Anyways, um, so yeah, uh, you can find Mark Bylock on social media at Mark Bylock, and you can find me at Bourbon Thing. And you can find our website at whiskey.buzz. That's whiskey without the I. W-H-S- <laughs> W-H-S-K-Y dot... Okay, see? I'm done. I'm done. This is it. I can't even talk anymore. Rum, rum, rum. <laughs> the rum. Oh, man. So whiskey.buzz without the I. Um, and the E. And the, 
right? And the E. Yeah, yeah. No, vowels. no vowels. Except for the buzz. The buzz has a vowel. Uh. See, this is very confusing. Um, you can also just go to whiskeybuzz.co and it'll just <laughs> It'll link figure you it out and, for you. And, and, and it'll, you know, it doesn't matter how, how many vowels you include. It'll just get you there. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, um, that's it for the podcast. Uh, join us next week again for another exciting episode of The Whiskey Topic. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.